waters a little bit here, diving into the uh, the prior of Zion and this kind of stuff. But I guess it, it kind of connects with uh, you know the deception part of what we were talking about earlier, the, the growing mysticism and all of that. Yes, uh, there was a there was definitely was a priority of Zion. And we will find it. See, Zion is a, a, an occultic term. Uh, it's misused on the exoteric side for conflict creation. And Zion, uh, on the one hand, is, is the first two letters of the Hebrew word for sin, which is the moon. Yeah. And on is the Egyptian phallic god, the regenerative force of the Egyptians, um, of the obelisk. You see? Yes, Sion. The combination yeah. of the sun and the moon, the fire, the water, the two opposing forces that regenerate through each other's conflict. Yeah. And create a new sun. Uh, that's the esoteric meaning for it. You'll find that Charlemagne, who was the first king appointed as a military leader for the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, he created the first bank uh, to for the regions he was conquering as he went through into into what was then what became France. Uh, but his first bank he made in what is now Switzerland, and they called it the Bank of Sion. Hmm. And it was, and even today there's one there, and the river was named after it too. It's called the River Sion, still there. So the Sion word is is a, an occultic term with an exoteric meaning for most of the people. And. Um, and the 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 word with with the the sea the scion um i mean do you think that they have deliber- uh, i mean consciously chosen these very similar terms to kind of mix things up also oh sure they always have a, a conflict on the exoteric mm-hmm. that's why they argue and f- everybody will argue and fight over the exoteric religions forever yeah and that's what the big boys laugh at because they have the esoteric meanings <laughs> of their own religion, which explains it all, makes it all very simple. Mm. Um, so you, you'll find that, um, that the Catholic Church did grant a group of warrior priests uh, the title of the for the Priory de Sion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, that uh, that you know, as you said, there really were a, a prior of Sion because there is some. Uh, some evidence pointing to that this was a, a created society in, in like the was it the 70s or something like that. Well, I've no doubt that it disappeared or was amalgamated into the Knights Templars yeah, and the yeah. Hospitallers. Yeah. And they simply recreated the fallacy, a new type, uh, just to mystify the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and about the 1970s or so. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, so I mean, the, just as you say that this. All ties in, you know, with with the Knights Templar going to Jerusalem, I guess, and and digging under the the Temple Mount and looking for the Grail, right? Well, that's what they they, they, they talk about. But the Grail itself is an esoteric meaning mm-hmm. that has nothing to do uh, with what the people think it does. Yeah. <laughs> you see that the higher this, this is the key to it, um, and the mystery religions of ancient times coming up to the present, in fact. The high priests uh, who'd gone up through the ranks or the degrees uh, would get to a stage in some of the, the other degrees or, or the other sects where they would castrate themselves. Mm-hmm. And the castration, you see, the, the, the theory being, if God was neither male nor female, 
not perfectly one, not perfectly one or the other, mm. then if you were neither, then you were closer to God hmm. than the ordinary people. That was the old theory. Yeah. But it also, because, because the, the obsession uh, with the sexual drive would disappear. You could be very, very clever. You could concentrate like no one had done before at, at a young age, for instance, hmm. on, on, on the mathematics, uh, the sciences, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So that didn't stop in ancient times. And you'll find even in some of the higher degrees today that's still done. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Arthur legend that came out, and it was actually written in France, remember, that Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. had nothing to do with real people or a King Arthur. I mean, King Arthur was just the knight with his round table. He was the sun, the men were the constellations. Yeah, yeah. It was your typical astrological storytelling. And, uh, however, it, it wrapped up in it, you have where one of the knights is leaving the chamber, the, the, the council chamber, and is approached by a, a lady who basically asks him if, 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 if he'd like to bed her. That's what it really was. <laughs> and the procession that preceded this knight coming out of the chamber was of uh, the Templars. One of them held the cup, the grail, mm-hmm. with the blood in it. Hmm. But what was in it was his manhood. Hmm. So he said to the lady, I am sorry, but I have been wounded in the side. That's what they always said in the mystery religions. They always said the side, they didn't, instead of saying the genitals. Hmm. That, was, that was the high ritual they were telling you in a story form. You, you know, I was actually reading about uh, uh, the bi- biblical you know, idea of Adam and Eve, uh, today and and one of the the you know the discussions going on were whether or not uh, Adam you know that Eve was created out of Adam and through his side so i mean could this tie in something to do with the uh, the generativity the the process of of uh, um uh, the the re you know reprocreation process or something like that i've no doubt again once once again they are giving you an ending as though it was a beginning. Yeah. And and we know today we can create the hermaphrodite through genetic tampering. We yeah. know that. Yeah. It's a done deal. <laughs> and so it's the same in the Old Testament where um, I think it was uh, Jacob had to swear on his father's thigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't hold the thighs in those cultures. They held the penis and that was a symbol in all Aramaic Semitic cultures mm-hmm. uh, of recognition of one who'd been initiated through circumcision. Hmm. And even today in some of the, the Arab countries, you swear allegiance to your Lord by putting your hand under the dress and holding there, and you swear the oath. That, that, was, always, that was always the oath. Hmm. You swore on your family jewels, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So in the, in the higher grades, when they were emasculated, those few that went further um, were symbolized in the Grail experience mm-hmm. in the Arthurian legend, uh, where, where the knight is asked to, to, to come into the lady's chamber and is preceded by the Grail, and inside that is, of course, he's been emasculated, he's been brought up to the higher degrees, and he says, I cannot, lady, for I have been wounded in the side. Mm-hmm. This is all high esoteric terminology. Um, I mean, 
Dumoulin, the the at the time the the head of the Knights Templar order in uh, I think this was 13 or 1200 something like this, but the, wasn't he accused of uh, you know ho- homosexuality and and all of this stuff when when he was burned at the stake? Well, they all were. In fact, uh, in the writings of Francis Bacon and John Dee, mm-hmm. who were descendants of of uh, the organization. They both wrote uh, some parts of the trials and said and admitted that that part of their oaths was that they must comply to relieve the, the sexual tension of any brother who demanded it. Hmm. That was part of the Knights Templar tradition. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the, the reason I ask is is because this theme seems seems to be running through some of these uh, secret societies uh, i mean there are, there are stories about uh, the the initiation process within the skull and bones for example being you know yeah. homosexual homosexual rights basically mm-hmm. it's not it's not only that it's to show uh, that in their religion uh, they must have no inhibitions mhm and so it's almost like a test of are you inhibited or non-inhibited. If you're inhibited in any area, you could be of no use to them because you must take part in your lifetime in a high planning position on even the slaughter of whole nations if need be. <laughs> so you must not be abhorred, abhorred by anything which would abhor the general public, including any kind of sexual contact. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and could it also be that they're actually setting up I mean let's say I mean uh, George Bush and of course uh, uh, John Kerry being, being members of this society Skull and Bones um, I mean c- could it be there that they're also at the same time are setting up these people to you know they're being compromised when, when you know they're doing this basically because they're, they can always yeah. be um, uh, taken up with this kind of thing in the media so they have them by the jewels, so to speak. <laughs> uh, yes. It's, it's a willing blackmail. You see, they, they know what they're coming into. Yeah. They know that they will be blackmailable, mm. but they'll do it willingly, knowing that generally it will never be used upon them because they plan to follow instructions, knowing they'll be well looked after generally mm. in the order. However, if they were ever asked to sacrifice themselves, they allow that to happen too. That's a, a risk they might take. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and you know, to to kind of again tie, tie this back to, uh, I guess, the Templar. And, and as we begin, we we're talking about the, in the beginning the Priory of Sion. Uh, um, the, this it, it is one, I guess, family line calling themselves the Plantard, or if this maybe just one guy at this point. Do you know anything about him? Well, yeah, he could have emerged only with the book of the Holy Blood, Holy Grail, mm-hmm. written by Bajant and Lay, I think, in Lincoln. Yeah. And um, and supposedly these guys just happened to get an interview with this man that no one could find, hmm. uh, which sounds fishy to me to begin with. And I know they distorted a lot of reality uh, when they claimed, for instance, that uh, one bishop... Uh, uh, of a little place in in France, mm-hmm. suddenly was catapulted into the highest realms of society yeah. when it, it found secret things inside two pillars in, in his church. <laughs> That's your typical Masonic con game. Yeah. Because if you go into the histories in France on this particular bishop, you find that he got rich by blackmailing the people that he was taking confession from 
and they were all nobility. <laughs> really? That's the story. But yeah, so they took a, more than just liberties. They distorted reality to completely. Their job was to create mysticism for the orders hmm. and make it almost exciting. Mm, so yeah, because there are a lot of stories. I mean, this is of course. Uh, I guess you're referring to Rensselaer Chateau and, and this kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, can we can we connect this uh, in any way with, for example, the uh, the the Thars? You know about these uh, these guys? Well, the Khazars are, are um, written mainly by uh, some of the Catholic writings because they were in church with them early on. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Khazars saved the Catholic Church by stopping the Moor invasion. Um, if it wasn't for the Khazars, there'd be no Catholic Church. Hmm. Uh, they had the, the biggest, well, best organized cavalry in, of any people at their time. Hmm. And we know that there was, there was two, there was the royal Khazars, who were the nobility in the middle, mm-hmm. who only interbred with each other. They were red-haired and blue-eyed, primarily. Hmm. And they also took in, like the British Empire, um, tribes to act as soldiers on the outskirts. So you had a mixture and some of the some of the ones in the, the, the outskirts were even Muslims. Yeah. Even though most most of them were asked to join Judaism uh, when they were given the choice, supposedly between becoming Jews or Christians hmm. during the wars, and they chose uh, Judaism, Talmudic Judaism. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not all of them had to do it, and, and so they even had tribes in the outskirts of the dark-haired ones uh, and different types. So that it wasn't just one race of people. The real race was a small group in the middle uh, of royalty, really. Okay. Uh, and their cavalry was comprised mainly of the, the, the sons of the leading noble families. Hmm. What's interesting is when Khazaria disappeared, and they lived around the Black Sea area primarily. Yeah. Um, many of them moved into parts of Poland and what became Germany um, and, and Russia. But no one ever explained where the royal ones went uh, with their with their army, their massive army, their massive monetary wealth. They were incredibly wealthy. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing we know is we've got the Norman invasion of Europe hmm. with people with the same standards as the as the Khazars had, mm-hmm. and and they went through Europe. It took many years to take the whole of Europe over, mm-hmm. but they had unlimited financing. Hmm. And and weaponry and and a, a and a trained cavalry that no one could stop, and they wore lances. They, they used lances just like the, the, the Normans did. Same thing as, as the Khazars did, hmm. uh, and and armor. So it's very possible that those were the noble families of the Khazars that moved in there. Interesting. Yes. And became the present day royalties of Europe. Oh really? Huh. Yeah. I, I mean these. Uh there is also a region, you know, southern France connecting with uh, uh, Portugal and also Spain, the Andes Mountain. Um, going in this region, we have people, uh, you know, the Basque people. Uh, very interesting. It seems to be some uh, Muslim influence going on there. Do you know if there was any mix with the, with the Cathar, Cathars and, and the Basque people? It's know. very possible uh, there'd be some because... Uh, they were a highland people, mm-hmm. and they did like the high ground, the, the highland ground. Um, 
so it's very possible they would go into the Basque region, which is more mountainous. Yeah. Um, it's very possible indeed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and again, I guess we could, you know, to uh, to go back to um, to the Knights Templar theme. Um, if if we move up, uh, the 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 legend, so to speak, goes that uh, a fraction of the Knights Templar who who survived fled up to uh, to Scotland, right? And um, and these guys, uh, again, we have the Holy Blood, Holy Grail connecting with with uh, Ros- Roslyn Chapel and and all of this stuff. Um, yes. Do, yeah. Do you, do you do you want to talk about that a little bit? Do you know know yeah, something? Yeah, it's about overblown it? to some extent through through again. See, authors kind of a field day stretching this off into infinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of information. However, we know that um, around that period, the, the the Rosicrucians were the main secret societies in Europe. Mm-hmm. And the Roslyn castle isn't much different from other, other castles I've been in. I've been in them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll see the green man, the, the man of nature. You'll also see animals which you only had in North America, like porcupines. Yeah. Um, before Columbus, the reason being that the Knights Templar, with their treasures and their fleet, is a fleet of ships. Uh, didn't get lost. They went to, to the west coast of Scotland and they settled in Argyllshire and they used that as a base to go to the Americas. They were in the Americas long before Columbus came along. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, there's no real mystery when you realize that, that the lay organization that the priest, the warrior priests created uh, were the Rosicrucians. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do, do you think that they... Um, Together, uh, Knights Templar, Rosicrucians, and that kind of mixed up uh, all of this created uh, Freemasonry, and, and of course the, yeah. the Scottish Rite later on in, in England. Or there's no right, there's no doubt at all. In fact, um, uh, they always swore revenge on France, and we know that Philip the Fair didn't last too long after he, he uh, killed ja- uh, the mole. You know, yeah, yeah. Mole, I call him the mole. <laughs> and uh, Jack the Mole. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so he he was killed off. However, what you do find in Scotland was Robert the Bruce mm-hmm. in thirteen fourteen, uh, the same year, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly nationalised Scotland by defeating England. Mm-hmm. And uh, but when you go into the history of Robert the Bruce, he was called Robert de Bruce. He was a Norman knight. He wasn't Scottish at all. Mm-hmm. And so he nationalized the country and gave us taxes for the first time. Oh, wonderful. Sight was gone, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But I do know one thing, though. You see, in the 1960s, early 60s, Robert the Bruce was entombed at mm-hmm. the Fairman Abbey, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to make a statue for, the, for Bannockburn, where the battle took place. Mm. And uh, they did uh, take his skull out. It was in all the newspapers and had the photographs of the skull of Robert the Bruce. Hmm. And they used that as a, to, to make a copy and a plaster, then a bronze face. And it did say in the newspapers that a Masonic organized, a, a ritual had been performed by high Freemasons to open the tomb. And once they were finished with the skull, they put it back and then did the, the Masonic burial once again. Now, why would they do that? Unless he, of course, Robert the Bruce was an early Rosicrucian. Yeah, like yeah. The Templar. Hmm. I mean, uh, I think the, the the skull again is very interesting in, in relations to uh, the Knights Templar. We have 
uh, a theme running throughout uh, that legend that connects with uh, the the beheading of John the Baptist. Do you know about this? It's a, an allegory for a system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find the same stories of you'll find it in sort of legends in India and so on. Almost all the same stuff is in the Old Testament and the New Testament is taken from from uh, earlier mystery religions in Egypt mm, yeah. and the beheading of, of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one who cries change for the future. You might say that Lenin was one. You could say that Karl Marx was a John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. That's why they always have their St. John in Knights Templars. Yeah. Uh, the one who paves the way out of chaos towards the planned future uh, and who predicts it and shouts it's going to happen, make his path straight. You see, straight, uh, again, a term for, from geometry yeah. and architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all to do with, uh, it's allegorical of the system. Hmm. And uh, being Knights Templars, now Knights Templars were warrior priests who would have nothing to do with women. Hmm. And so the women women were always, even long before they were Knights Templars, this is an ongoing mystery religion that, that is like a chameleon that changes its colors yeah. down through the ages. Um, they always give the female the blame because she's emotional, whereas they want no emotion, they want nothing but pure functionality and logic. Hmm. And so uh, they're always killed by the female, the sensuous female, who beheads them. You know. Ah, and and of course, I guess this also connects with the the fascination and the idea of, uh, of stuff like eternal life. Considering that uh, you know, without the female, there are no you know procreation in, or next generation I- involved. Yes, and in the old ancient mystery religions, even amongst the early Arabs. They said that ultimately that God would be born out of man, hmm. not woman. Hmm. So this all ties together, uh, big time, mm-hmm. big time, um, and and that uh, answers a lot of questions as to why science, which only goes in the directions that it's funded to go, that's yeah. you you point the direction of science. Mm-hmm. We could go off in thousands of directions, but it always goes towards a, a handful of things. Uh, the, the genetic uh, decoding yeah. one, yeah. but also Australia did a test a few years ago. It was in the newspapers where they made an artificial womb from a man's colon material and and impregnated them to see if they could carry a baby to term. Now, why would they be doing that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, why would they be doing that? Yeah, it's it's insane. I, when, I think when your health services, uh, you, you can't get in for a simpler. Uh, appendicitis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spend millions to see if a guy can have a child. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. But there's an agenda behind all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have uh, you know th- themes running through throughout that, like uh, um, uh, you know the the the, the movie, the, the pregnant Arnold. Uh, I can't remember yes. the name of the movie, but uh, uh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and strangely enough, I watched a NASA documentary. Mm. Uh, it was a simulated uh, program, a film put out, two-hour special, mm-hmm. a few years ago with David Suzuki, who's up there with the World, the World Wildlife Fund. He's a geneticist, though. Mm. And it was about long-term space travel to mine the planets like they've mined the Earth mm. and how they would do it and all the rest of it and the long journeys 
And it was even discussed on there if there was a way to make man reproduce himself efficiently <laughs> en route, then they would have to find it and do it. Yeah. Uh, amazing. And uh, again, the, the, it explains the the, the strange, uh, as you say, avenues that, that some of these uh, scientific, uh, you know, ideas take when 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 they are, you know, developing the and funding these projects. Uh, I mean, do do you know regarding you know the human genome project and all, and all of this stuff? Uh, I mean, this was allegedly. Um, I guess completed in when was it 2000 2001? But I guess that do you know if they were you know uh, completing this way before uh, the official oh, they've date? Been, they've been playing with genes before they even declared they'd found the gene. <laughs> Because I was reading an old book by Rutherford, who was the mathematician mm. for the Royal Society of London, England. Yeah, um, one of the best mathematicians they had at the time. He did the pyramid measurements and so on for the Royal Society. Mm -hmm. And he was writing his memoirs, and he said in it that he'd been working for the last years of his life on um, genetics. Now, why would you need a mathematician to work on genetics mm. if you hadn't actually physically seen genes? Yeah. It tells you that they'd already found them long before Watson came along with his double helix and so on. Yeah. Ah, amazing. Uh, you know, again, maybe we could tie tie um, tie this back to, uh, or not tie this back, maybe perhaps, but but get back to the speaking a little bit about the. I've been I've been reading a little about the about the Merovingians and so forth. This uh, uh, line of, of of kings, I guess, but. Uh, do you know anything about, about the the Carolingians? Yeah, th th there was the um, the two branches. One of them actually were the were the advisors who took over when the previous bunch became decadent uh, through time. Mm -hmm. And so you had the, the the Merovingians who eventually sort of took over from the old Car Carolingians or Carovingians. Um, Merovingian. When you break it down in Masonic parlance, is is Mero's mother, mm -hmm. and Vine is the vine. You see, mm -hmm. yeah, it's the tree of life. So it's, it's a branch of high nobility, of of the tree of life that, that the mother. That's what they mean by that. Ah. These names are all occultic names that we have down through history, of the big players. Yeah. Um, how about it's the, the same with even uh, genome? Uh, that's a gnome. That's yeah. what a gnome is in yeah. English. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're a silent G, you know. <laughs> of course. It's They generate the gnome. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The what was it? The Hebrew, uh, the golem was also some of the the. Yeah, clay. the golem yeah, is a Hebrew idea. It's a Kabbalistic idea. Yeah. Actually, from uh, a sect in in the Polish area, um, the Hasidic group, mm -hmm. who are a bit more fanatical than others. Like all groups have their their, their fanatics and their their um, fundamentalists, you might say. <laughs> But they were into different kinds of spells and omens and and formulas like that. But mm. in the 1500s, uh, there was a rabbi came out and and published that that he and a friend and it's done in tongue and cheek, so you got to take it at face value. Mm. He, he said that they'd uh, created a golem which lasted, I think, 48 hours by literally writing it on a wall, meaning a formula. 
and a golem is a, 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 a perfectly working, efficient slave hmm. uh, that doesn't uh, rebel or anything. But but it's also part of, of um, Kabbalistic, the Kabbalistic side of Judaism, mm-hmm. yeah. the magical side where the golem was supposed to be a, a creation by calling on of the powers of certain demons or entities. Mm. They, they would have uh, they could breathe life into a golem, a man-made creature, like a statue, which would come to life and fight for them. Uh-huh, so an yeah. artificial entity or robot. You might say that the Gort uh, of uh, the, the, the movie they did back in the fifties mm-hmm. um, with Michael Rennie, when the, the spaceship comes down on the White House lawn. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, the robot was called Gort. Ah, uh, and. Uh, yeah, the day the Earth stood still, or what was what was the movie yes. called? Yeah, and I published years ago that Gort was just trog backwards. Ah. <laughs> One of the big authors had just republished it again. Yeah, but uh, Trog is also a music group from the sixties that did a very interesting song. People should look into it. Mm-hmm. Very telling. So the Troglodytes, in ancient terminology, were were the were the people who lived within mountains or caves, mm-hmm. albino almost. Uh, people who survived from a previous age with knowledge of the previous ages. That's where that comes from. So that robot, in a sense, would be um, a, a golem. Yeah. Uh, one rabbi recently, well, a few years when Reagan was in, uh, he said that a computer is a form of golem. It, it's an artificial slave. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I mean, do you, do you think that they could be playing around with... Uh you know, genetic, I mean, I guess combining stuff or, or actually creating, you know, basically, um, I don't know, if monsters if the, is, is the right word, but let, let's say like this, if if they are interested in ever forwarding their agenda on, on creating, you know, some kind of m- mystical theme going on, uh, this is something that tremendously would help to, you know, to propel that kind of, uh, you know, emotion within the human species, like a alien invasion or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Well, the alien invasion is an old idea brought up by John Dewey. Mm. Uh, John Dewey first came out with that. He said the Earth would unite together if we just uh, uh, atta- were attacked from out there somewhere. H.G. Wells, who w- worked for the British government, and that's been now admitted to, he worked for, for the Secret Service Department as a propagandist, yeah. um, wrote his shape of things to come with a, an alien invasion. And over the years, they put so much propaganda about the aliens coming, the aliens coming, yeah. um, to get the public ready for something. But it's the last thing they would ever have expected. It's the atmosphere they're hitting you with. Yeah. It's bringing you from an enemy out there, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, and of course we have... Uh, uh, Reagan addressing the the UN w- with the same theme. He said that same speech so many times. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when he was in office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. So I mean, uh, again, as uh, I mean, I, I talked about this w- with an with a previous guest regarding. I don't know if you heard about this, but this was n- uh, nuclear bombs going off in the in the television series Twenty Four. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, this it feels like the. They're after, as I say, the, the sensation creating that that mindset within people, and, and it, it doesn't matter anymore if it's on TV or if it's actually happening. It's a, it's the sensation, as you say, that they're trying to create. Uh, create. That's that's my take on it, anyway. Oh, well, absolutely. Uh, all 
all the stuff that grabs us and fascinates us is deliberately worked out to program us along a certain way of looking at life and thinking about life. Mm. They always supply us with the answers, of course, in the movies and in the programs. Mm, yeah. And that's why it's called predictive programming. <laughs> it makes us feel that when something happens in society, we think, well, that was inevitable. It had to work out this way yeah. because we've been programmed to expect it. That's mm. why all the movies today uh, have brain chips in them and stuff like that and tracking chips. Yeah. Uh, and the, for the very near future, it's all getting us used to the idea before it's implemented. That that way, when it suddenly sprung upon us, it's no shock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and, and you get easily, so easily, uh, what's it called? You you get you know acclimatized to to th that kind of idea that they're portraying. I mean, there is stuff going on. If you turn on on the TV today, that you, I mean, I. I have to kind of remind myself and act actively consciously think when I'm looking at it to be able to actually, you know, react to, you know, the the way I I, I would suspect myself to do uh, to get a reaction from it because it's so um I mean it's 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 shocking or it's it's so uh, uh, absurd or whatever but we we get so all the time so acclimatized to to the propaganda that they're putting out there. And that's the it's amazing how much stuff they're putting through in fictional form. Yeah. Wrapping it up with excitement to grab the youngsters who are going to be the main targets as they go through life, they're going to see it all happen. Yeah. And we forget that even Lenin himself uh, said that uh, society can go off in a thousand different directions. He said, but the public mustn't be allowed to know that. They must think the one they're born into is the only natural evolution there is. Hmm. And society goes off, and it could go off in any direction that the funders of all research and so on mm. would, would, would give the grants to. That's how they direct what sciences are going towards what. Hmm. If you were trying to get a cure for something, a real cure, you're, you're not going to get any money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. You decide where society will go through science. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, that, that doesn't propel the the uh, the agenda and, and again the the idea of that you have to you know take drugs for i mean e everything basically to get your i mean everything from your immune system to basically you know your sexual drives uh, as seems to be the latest fad you know to to get people on hooked on home pills to be able to you know make love basically it's it's yes. so sick i mean <laughs> and and it's what's interesting too uh, if you look at the old the old um, the histories of guys in the 19 or, or the or the 1700s, mm. they had no problems in that area until they were 70 or 80 years old. Yeah, They've, all the studies that have been released today mm. show that men uh, before their 30s, some of them are losing interest in, in any sexual activity. <laughs> so they've been heavily hit. As people like uh, Charles Galton Darwin said, he talked about the tampering of people's hormones to stop them from breeding. And yeah. I think they've been doing it through the inoculations too. And huh. the food we eat. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, yeah, men are, are actually losing interest in this. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, and that, uh, that, yeah, the, again, that's a, that's a perfect, uh, perfect way to control the population or reduce the population right there. Yes. Hmm. And that's the hardest thing for Joe Average believe because he's been brought up with a fake reality mm. he's been taught that he has all these unseen benefactors above him 
who are experts, and they're paid to take care of them. <laughs> uh, the last thing that he will expect is that they're there to actually manage us like a herd. Yeah, yeah. And they do. You know, when they had the, the SARS outbreak in Toronto mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago there, which was really, it was a, it was a no-goer. More people died of the ordinary flu that year than ever before. <laughs> um, but they had the, 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 the experts on for the Centre for Disease Control mm. uh, Canada branch on every day on the media, scaring the hell out of everybody. Mm. And, uh, and one of them said... Uh, when there are plans for containment and so on, she says, well, uh, it's all under the herd management. Hmm. Herd management. Hmm. And, 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 of course, the interviewer kind of was brought up, but he didn't ask what, what, why she used the term herd. Yeah. But they're calling us the herd. <laughs> and that's the official medical term now for the people. Oh, <laughs> oh incredible. Well, it's, a, it's a Sioux, that's where it is, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, re regarding um, an another article I saw a while back, and maybe we could, you know, ne next time we'll speak, get into this more, um, because uh, I think Canada in general is a very e interesting country, uh, much m much like Sweden and, and Switzerland. There are a few of these who kind of go in the kind of neutral theme, I guess, in some sense. But anyway, this this article was regarding a few Canadian scientists who had uh, re now recreated the 1918 Spanish flu, I think. Uh, actually, they did a documentary here, and you can find it mm -hmm. if you go into uh, cbc.org right. archives. Mm -hmm. And the doctor who was sent off in, in this research team was called Dr. Campbell. She was heavily funded by Canada to go off and dig up bodies in the permafrost, uh, mainly yeah. in Norway, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. However, the odd thing was a guy from Norway on his own, supposedly, came over to Canada, went up north to the Inuit Indian Territory, mm -hmm. and got permission from a, 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 the, the leader there, the woman, mm -hmm. to dig up bodies. Well, he got the ones with the active viruses in them. And this was all documented in this documentary, which you can download. Oh, do, do you know the, the name of it, so people can search for it, and including um, myself? It was deadly something, deadly something. Okay, yeah, I'm going to see but if it, I can was, find uh, that. Dr. Campbell was the head of the Canadian team. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, it was, I think it was simply called Unearthing the Unearthing. Spanish Flu or Unearthing the Killer. Oh, okay. Disease. It was Unearthing something it was called. Excellent. Yeah, I'm going to do, do a search for that and see if, you know, there might be a copy on Video Google or something like that. Yes, well, they did find live viruses that was on the documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones up, up north of Canada were still in proper permafrost. The ones they found in Norway had thawed and, and refrozen over the years so that, that they couldn't get the viruses. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. But the ones in Canada, they got live ones, and they now have that uh, disease all ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And uh, I mean... the. All of these kind of themes are, are so so scary. I mean, I remember again an, another uh, article regarding this, and this was a Norwegian scientist, I think, who who um, has now created this <coughs> this data bank of of seeds, basically, with with loads of you know genetic diversity in them. Which, and I, again, I think they called it like uh, the Ark or even Noah's Ark or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I mean. Uh, it is this very doomsday kind of theme that is going on, you know, 
not totally behind the scenes because this is, is in in some sense uh, out there because it, this is stuff you know you can pick up for, from in the news basically. So there is this underlying theme that that you know something is coming and something someone is actually preparing to you know save uh, seeds and and this kind of stuff. I know that because when Margaret Thatcher was in power, it came out on the British papers then uh, that there was a, supposedly a publication for the public available at libraries, which wasn't available at all. Mm-hmm. And what to do in cases of emergency, such as plague or whatever, or atomic warfare. Yeah. And it came out that Margaret Thatcher, and she came on uh, British television and talked about this. She says... Uh, Yes, it's true. There are places, underground bases, for the elite to go to, <laughs> and those who were essential for the continuation of government. Yeah. Um, and then th- she was asked by the team, the second like man alive team. She was asked, "Well, what did the general public do? How did they save themselves?" She says, "Well, it's everyone for themselves." Then, <laughs> then when it comes to the shelters, special SAS service members will just shoot them down. <laughs> Oh my God! So uh, that's what they have for the general public. <laughs> exactly. And actually, yeah. the, the Man Alive team did get a hold of the booklet that's supposed to be available to the public. It was sent to them by the government. A lot of it was blacked out in ink. Mm-hmm. However, it did say this, and this is NATO, by the way. So any country, any NATO country, mm. which is a member now, NATO is just Aten. Remember, it's yeah. assembled Aten, the mystery sun religion. Yeah. And it's got the swastika for its symbol, if you look at it very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, NATO countries all signed the same deal uh, that in case of emergency and infection or contamination with radiation, radiation or bacteria or viruses, the military have to put cordons around cities in all, uh, all areas. Any member of the public trying to flee the area is to be shot on sight. If whole groups of people try to escape those places, they have to be bombed from the air with CS gas, and that's official NATO policy yeah. for the people. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and you know, one thing that just, uh, I, I guess to finish things off, because we're actually approaching the, approaching the end of our time here, but this brings me to, you know, again, population control and all this uh, regarding the, the Georgia Guidestones and this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this guy who uh, allegedly financed the billing of this was called R.C. Christian. I, I know, it's a play on Christian Rosenkreutz. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> my point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, again, the, 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 hint, the hints are, are right there if you look at it. And it's so, it's, I mean, it's not... Uh, I mean, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out some of these stuff which feels like they're, you know, kind of, they're wanting people who are a bit aware of this to actually, you know, pick up on these hints and threads also, you know, so we can be, um, I don't know what they're trying to do with that, if they're just trying to create this. um, It's also a Masonic ritual of legalism, high Masonic, Mm -hmm. where it literally has, their agenda for the people has literally been written in stone. Ah, hmm. And viewable to the public, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Jack Cousteau, the guy who loved the little fishes, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, was another member of the same society, and he said in an interview just shortly before he died, and for a magazine, mm-hmm. uh, that they'd have to kill off, he says, we'll have to kill off at least three quarters of the world to save, to save the planet. Yeah. So he was all for this agenda, too, which doesn't surprise me since Jack Cousteau 
who worked for the British Secret Service in World War II, had a brother who worked for, for the Vichy France Nazis on the other side of, of the channel. <laughs> they were both in the same... They, they worked both sides of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating history we live in. Yeah, yes, absolutely, yeah. totally. And um, again, Alan, we have to have to continue next month. And again, thank you so much for coming on. But but again, finish things off. Uh, tell people about your website. Yes, check in for uh, this information. A lot of other stuff too, on cuttingthroughthematrix.com for free downloads and for things to purchase to explain things further. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on, Alan. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to Red Ice Creations Radio. Thank you for being a subscriber. Your support keeps RedIceCreations.com alive. Until next time, take care.